The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. Probably like getting great 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether you know there's two types of turds, you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean, um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. Joining me this week, as he does most weeks, it is Hale Varsity's resident recruiting expert, Hale Varsity's resident Laker fan, Hale Varsity's resident. <laughs> Jordan Hader, Hale Varsity's resident grill master. Greg, how are you? <laughs> I'm very well. I appreciate that introduction. Um, I am excited about the weekend. Do you have plans for this weekend? We're recording this on a Friday morning. People that are listening to it might be listening to it on a Sunday. Their 4th of July celebration or feast or whatever it may be may have already been done. Greg, what do you have planned for this very strange and very weird and unprecedented 4th of July weekend. Yeah, so it's interesting. I, as you said, like, label me a grill master in the beginning. I actually am not. I don't think I'm going to grill this year because we, I don't think we plan to be here. So I think we're going to go and, like, do, like, a socially distant fireworks watching at a friend's house nearby because their neighborhood apparently gets super into it. Um, and we're just going to, like, sit in front of their house and watch these fireworks. And then I think my our like my wife's friend's husband is going to do the grilling. Um, so we'll see. I don't love relinquishing control of that, but we'll see <laughs> kind of how that goes. My hometown uh, has had a, a 4th of July parade and subsequent fireworks celebration every single year for as long as I can remember since we since we moved to this town and they are not doing it this year. And I have no idea what to do with myself. I don't know where... Like, I mean, obviously you're going to have, you know, Joe Cool down the street that's shooting off fireworks at 1230 in the morning on July 2nd. But, like, I don't know where the, the big fireworks show is going to happen around me. Is there is there anything that you know of that's happening in Lincoln? Um, I haven't even, I honestly haven't looked because we have gone to the same, other, a different friend's house, like, for the last handful of years. And so I don't know, like, it, it'll be interesting to see that because I don't know, like, we have had people in our neighborhood just shooting them off. Um, but it actually didn't start, I guess, this is late until yesterday um, is when we first heard them. Because I've seen that where people on Twitter are talking about, like, they've seen people have been shooting fireworks off for weeks now. Um, but I don't know. That's a good question because I wonder, excuse me, if most of the official fireworks shows have been canceled. Yeah, I think they have uh, firecrackers on June 29th. That's the move. If you if if you're not in that neighborhood, then you've officially made it, my friend. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe that that's the way to look at. It. OK, so so Fourth of July brings food, burgers, brats, chips, a lot of um, food that you're going to have to go to the gym for afterwards. I have a question for you. Because I'm very picky with food. I don't I, like when I get a burger, I put nothing on top of it. I don't want 
mayo or mustard or lettuce or tomatoes or anything. I just want a burger with meat and cheese. I'm very picky when it comes to food. Is there a particular food item or dish or something that somebody brings to a 4th of July cookout or barbecue or whatever that you think has no business being there? You know, it's, it's such a great question for me. And you trash food. Because I, I, I really don't like very many traditional barbecue sides at all to the point to where like when we do cook like my wife is in charge of the sides just so that other people get sides okay i would i would just eat the meat and be totally fine with that and so like i don't have like i don't ever have much use for like baked beans or potato salad um chips is probably my go-to um if i have to have something i'll just throw some chips on the plate but if i have to narrow it down i would go baked beans um, just because people love them so much and like someone's going to write in Brandon probably and say like he does like smoked baked beans or something and, and this is blasphemous. But yeah, I have no use for baked beans whatsoever. Okay, I have two things. Potato salad is weird to me. I can't get I can't get around the cold mush sensation. If I'm eating it, it feels like it should be pasta and pasta should be uh, warm. And so when I have like a potato salad or any kind of like any kind of cold mush, it, I just don't do it. And, and coleslaw is the other thing. People put – I was at a, a barbecue place um, that I always try to go to every time I'm home. And I wanted a pulled pork sandwich because I hadn't had a pulled pork sandwich in a long time. And just like I didn't even think about it. They put coleslaw on top of it. And I, I had a conversation with the, the waitress and I was like, why do you, why do people do this? How many people ask for coleslaw on their sandwich? First of all, you're you're contrasting warm and cold, which is terrible. I hate it. I think it's dumb. But I've just never liked the consistency of coleslaw. And to put it on a pulled pork sandwich, I don't know. But I guess just to have it as a side, like I know my wife's family has coleslaw and potato salad and all kinds of weird cold mush at at Fourth of July. <laughs> barbecues all the time and i always think it's weird i just i'm the one that that walks over and puts a burger on his plate with nothing on it and then has a, a little bit of chips and everybody else has like this plate that's just filled to the brim with all kinds of mush that's like mixing and matching with each other and then mine is very like i have sandwich i have chips I, we are very much alike in that respect because I'm trying to think of the last, like last year, I told you, we go to a friend's house, generally the same friend every year, and they have like a whole spread. And I do remember last year I got like a hot dog with, I, I don't think anything on it because I don't like, like hot dogs, especially I prefer plain. If it's a good hot dog, I can just eat it plain. Um, my burger, I'll really just put cheese, sometimes lettuce if like I'm having it at home. Um, and that's pretty much it. Maybe mayo. Um, and if it's, if I'm feeling like spicy, I'll have barbecue sauce on there. Um, but then other than that, like, yeah, it's just the chips. And then my thing is, is then that way we can drink a little bit more and the cupcakes, because cupcakes always tend to pop up on 4th of July. You're good to go on that. <laughs> uh, for, for the rest of my days, anytime someone says cup, cupcakes, I'll, I'll picture Russell Westbrook's Instagram post with cupcakes <laughs> on 4th of July. For the rest of my days, I will never not think about Kendrick Perkins and Russell Westbrook talking about cupcakes That's and that great. that that random um, like teenage child that showed up at the Oklahoma City Thunders arena the first time Kevin Durant came back in a full blown cupcake Halloween costume. <laughs> I will never not think about those. Um, so great. So then what is, okay, so on the flip side, you did not ask me about this. What is your 
favorite, like if, if somebody, you're going to a 4th of July barbecue and someone has this particular meat because we've determined neither of us like sides, what, what would make you be happy to be at that barbecue if they had this meat there? Um, some kind of slow cooker meat, pulled pork, brisket, something like that. Okay. I, that, that's a, that's a weakness. You know, we've been to the place in the Haymarket, um, that I'm now blanking on the name. Like when, when things were normal and we were allowed to go places <laughs> yeah, I was about without to say, being, that feels like so long ago. Yeah, it does. We were allowed to go places. Um, we, there, gosh, I can't even remember the name now. There was a place that we went to that was right, right underneath our office. And oh, uh, one wow, of the dudes that underneath. worked there. Yeah. One of the dudes that worked there knew us because we were there so often and knew that I was going to get a pulled pork sandwich every single time to the point where when I asked for something different, he was like, Oh, Okay. Well, I'd already started it for you, so I'll go change it. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I think that yeah, a good good pulled pork is is really hard to beat. I'm with you on the brisket though, like especially um and that's like the one thing that like um I don't cook. Uh, I'm just afraid to try it cuz it's just such a long process and if you mess it up, it can really suck. Um so I just haven't tried that at all. Though I should just rip the bait off, bait it off, and try it. Um, but brisket is really my thing, and specifically burnt ends. Like if I can get like some good burnt ends, we're in heaven. I still have to try the barbecue place that's across the street from my home in Lincoln. The um, oh, uh, Fat Jacks. Fat Jacks. Yes, I still have not tried it, but everybody keeps saying that it's the best barbecue place. And I'm sorry, I haven't found a good barbecue place in Nebraska. Which is weird because if you're if you're actually searching for one, that is the one. Like you do, you do need to go there. That's the. And I don't know why I haven't tried it. Yeah. I don't know why I haven't tried it yet because they're when we're, they're a, when we're allowed to go ones. places, we should go. Yeah, they're one of the good ones where they they cook a bunch of stuff in the morning and then that's what they have for the day. And when they're out, they're yep. out. That's like yep. the mark of a good barbecue place. And we just we just haven't gone there. Maybe it has something to do with the fact that our uh, work schedules are weird as hell. And by the time I'm driving home. Um, they're closed or they don't have what I want. So that's true. Yeah. You have which, to kind of make a plan to be able to go, which is fine. Um, great for them, but it is, yeah, you have to think about it, which would make now the perfect time to go actually then, because we're just home all day. That is true. Um, not to, not to completely go so far away from the, the subject matter at hand for this podcast, but, um, Portland Trailblazers head coach Terry Stotts did a, a Zoom conference call with media the other day as they're getting ready for their like NBA restart in in Orlando. And one of the reporters that was on the Zoom call was doing it from his bed. <laughs> okay. And Terry Stotts actually came out and was like, he like called him out. He's like, "Are you in bed right now?" He's like, "It's it's twelve forty five in the afternoon, man. Get up, get out of bed." And the guy was like, "What? We're working from home." And I was like, "I have thought about doing this before." With some of our either be at a, a conference call, I considered it for the Frost Zoom call, uh, and then decided <laughs> no, I need to be professional and go to the office. I've considered it before, but I haven't actually done it. It's it's nice to see that someone out there just was like, you know what, I'm just gonna go for it. I'm just gonna do it. I appreciate that. This is a weird time. That's, that's fantastic. Like I've not I've not considered that. Considered it. I have done a call or two of hours from the car, like which seems to be extremely popular right now. And I don't understand that. I feel like anytime you get some sort of group Zoom now, someone's in the car um, and, and on video at that. And so, yeah. th- but I have done that, like I think twice. But someone's in the car, but someone not forgets to take themselves the off mute. 
Yeah. Uh, I, I had that happen to me um, with not taking off of mute, but my wife was doing a Zoom call with her whole team, and I turned on like my classical music to do my writing, and I did not actually have my headphones plugged in and thought I did, and so like, this <laughs> classical music was blaring, and she gave me the meanest death glare, and then all you heard was her coworkers laughing, like, what is that? She had to explain that Greg used classical music only when he needs to get in the writing zone. Do you listen to classical music when you're on your Peloton bike thing or when you're going to the gym? Are you a classical music kind of person or do you listen to you have like a workout get psyched playlist? No, it's a workout get psyched playlist. They it's okay. funny that shit that they are doing a classical they have content that is classical music based. Like there's a stretch that I've done that's like that, but that's different because it's like very chill and you're supposed to be like relaxed. But no, when I need to get going, it, it needs to be like upbeat and for the most part needs to be like hardcore rap for the most one one thing i saw there's a florida gators football player and i'm blanking on his name that's on tiktok and he's pretty popular um but he had a a video a while ago that i actually saved and i was going to send to a handful of nebraska players and ask if this was true but um it was in effect it was it was like what people think we're listening to before a game and it was you know rap music it was hype up music it was get psyched music and then what we're actually listening to and it's like taylor swift and i was like <laughs> I, I need to know who on so so when we restart when we get back to some normalcy we start talking to players on, on a more regular basis i would like to know this year who on the team listens to weird stuff to get themselves ready for a game who on the team is listening to weird music on a saturday morning or a saturday afternoon as they're sitting in the locker room because there's somebody on the team that listens to taylor swift and i would put my money on it being cam taylor Britt. <laughs> i could i could definitely see that i was gonna say i could see like jack stole listening to something weird he listens um, to Kyle. yeah listens to there's gonna Combs be some and... there's there's going to be some really interesting answers on that. I definitely think you should do that. Yeah, because there's going to be guys. Someone's going to listen to like really like mellow, like classical or instrumental. Somebody's going to do it. Yeah, someone's going to be listening to some weird stuff. And I think, I think there I, there are a couple of guys that I feel like we could go to that would be like, yeah, I have no problem throwing my teammate under the bus. I bet DiCaprio Boodle would give us some good answers about guys. I bet Wando Robinson would give us some good answers about guys. I wonder what Adrian Martinez listens to. Oh, that's a great question because I could see that going any number of ways. Yeah, because we know that his taste is is a little wonky because he prefers In and Out over Water Burger. So that's the last thing I will say <laughs> yeah, before we get to football talk. I'm gonna nice. let that the, the final thing. I got my last word in. Water Burger's the best. Um, Greg, for the for the football portion of this podcast, I would like to ask you one broad question, and then we'll have a conversation kind of around the topic. So. Last year, there was a clear top three in the Big Ten West. It was Wisconsin, it was Minnesota, it was Iowa. They were head and shoulders above anybody else. I mean, last year, the Big Ten West was was not very good when you got to the, the bottom of it. Northwestern was bad. Purdue had a ton of injuries. Nebraska was bad. Illinois was finished fourth in the division. And it was one of those things I was going back and looking through because we're doing our, our Big Ten buy or sell thing. Um, Brandon and I are this this week and in coming weeks. And I was looking at Illinois. I was like, oh, they finished fourth in the division. I completely forgot about that. They were decent. They were hella inconsistent, but they were they finished fourth. I don't think that's going to happen again this season. But I also don't know if we're going to have such a clear cut top three. If we're going to have um, 
such drastic uh, classes in a Big Ten West. Iowa is the team to me that feels like maybe a drop-off is coming. And, and I thought that even before all of this stuff with Kirk Ferentz and kind of how their program is built and operated, and, and, and before all of that stuff came out, I kind of wondered about Iowa. And maybe we, maybe we should wonder about Wisconsin a little bit too. They have no multi-year returning starters on the offensive line. Um, and usually, you know, you, you don't hold it against them when a running back leaves because you're like, well, it's the offensive line. They're just going to pump out a new running back because it's Wisconsin. But even right even right now, they don't really have that clear guy on the offensive line that you're like, this is a Big Ten, an all-Big Ten first-team player. So maybe maybe we should be talking about Wisconsin. But I kind of feel like Wisconsin and Minnesota are, are going to be the top two in the Big Ten West, whichever you know way you want to put them one or two. Iowa, to me... I just don't know. They weren't very good running the ball last year. And the offensive line, they lost Tristan Wirfs. I, I kind of wonder about them and, and maybe, you know, because what Iowa has been for years and years and years is, is a, a model of consistency. You knew what you were going to get. They were going to run the ball, run the ball and play good defense. And this year, they're going to be breaking in a new quarterback. After last year, they became almost completely one-dimensional, relying on Nate Stanley to, to get them two big games they didn't win those big games but i mean what were they 10 and 3 um 11 and 3 i don't remember what the record was i know they had double digit wins it was it was a good season for them um but you know i just wonder they they have lost a a key guy at each level of their defense aj epinesa on the defensive line they lost their leading tackler from the linebackers who was the leading tackler for the entire team then they lost michael ojemudier and gino stone from the secondary this is a team that maybe it has an identity crisis this year and as the Big Ten West gets a little bit better, because I think like Northwestern should be better, and we can talk about them. Purdue with Rondell Moore and David Bell, as long as everybody's healthy, they should be better. Nebraska should be better. It needs to be better. I just kind of wonder, maybe Illinois takes that step with with the wide receiver quarterback pairing that they have. I don't know. What What do you think about the this kind of class hierarchy in, in the Big Ten West that we've seen over the last couple of years, maybe breaking this year, or or – do you think that this is much to do about nothing and it's going to be Wisconsin, Iowa, and Minnesota in the Big Ten West driver's seat? I think that it is as wide open as wide open can be right now because any of those teams, any, I think that anyone except for maybe Illinois, I think is a threat to win the division, but almost any of them are also a threat to have a really disappointing season. And the thing about Iowa that I can't get over is that I was also due for one of their just kind of middling seasons as well. Like after this nice run that they've been on, like they always have these seasons too, where they kind of regress and go backwards and maybe they'll win six or seven games um, versus the 10 or so that they've been winning. Right. And I think that this year is ripe for that considering what they lost um, and what you think some of the other teams in the division might be able to improve at. Um, in Wisconsin, it, it's such a weird thing. And I, I feel like I say this every year. Wisconsin has earned the benefit of the doubt, but at the same time, I have a hard time giving it to them um, and an even harder time giving it to them this year because they've got to replace stuff, replace guys on the offensive line. Um, I, they have to replace linebackers as well, which is always the strength of their defense. Um, and then, like, it it almost feels like it doesn't matter which running back is coming next because they do such a good job of identifying those guys and coaching them up. But that's also tied to how good those offensive lines are as well. Um, and so I just, I just think that they 
also could take a step back. Then I think that the Minnesota thing is, is they have to prove that it wasn't lightning in a bottle and that they are here to stay and that they have real staying power and can build upon that because it's also a thing where you don't know if you have the one year flash and then guys think that they've arrived and then they just naturally take that step back. Right. Um, and then, like you said about Nebraska, Nebraska should be better in Nebraska. Like legitimately there's a path to say that Nebraska will be better. It's just, they're on the opposite end of the spectrum as, as Wisconsin, for example, where you just don't want to give them the benefit of the doubt um, because you've seen them not live up to expectations going forward. And then there's Northwestern who uh, like, it just seems like outside of last year, they always just seem to find a way like, and even last year when they were really bad, like they were mostly competitive. They're always competitive. Um, but I would not rule out a big bounce back for them either. So I said all of that to say, I really don't know. And I think it's wide open right now uh, for the big 10 West. Well, so you made some you made some points that I want to hit on. Let's let's just run through the teams. Let's start with uh, with Iowa because you kind of pointed out they're like due for maybe a little bit of a um, a dip. What's interesting is so if you look at the last three times that they've won double digit games under Ference, so two thousand four they go ten and two and they follow that up with a seven and five campaign. The following year they lose in the Outback Bowl. It looks like they lost in the Outback Bowl each time. No inside bowl. Um, so 2004, 10 and 2, followed with 7 and 5. Then in, in 2009, they go 11 and 2. They win the Orange Bowl and they follow that up with an 8 and 5 campaign in 2010. They go 12 and 2 in 2015, followed up with an 8 and 5 year and a loss in the Outback Bowl in 2016. So maybe that's, you know, just coincidental, but maybe it's a trend. Maybe it's something where like they they just kind of build to these seasons because really over the last three years with Nate Stanley, it's been about building. Um, to last season where they went 10 and three, they won the holiday bowl. They were a, a pretty good Iowa team. Um, and then you just kind of naturally have to reshuffle the deck a little bit as guys leave. And they've, they, they lost pieces. Um, they lost guys on both sides of the ball. And I really like Amir Smith Marset at wide receiver. Um, and they've got some options at the skill positions, but to me, Iowa has just been a team that you knew what they were. And I just don't know what they are heading into this season. And so I wonder if maybe they are ripe for not necessarily having a hugely disappointing year. You know, maybe it's just another seven and five campaign, eight and five campaign, which is what Ference tends to to kick out all the time. But because as the Big Ten West gets better, you know, somebody overtakes them because somebody goes, you know, eight and four in the regular season or, or nine and three or something like that. Um, assuming we we play all twelve games, it's I don't know. Am I making too much of of a new quarterback on the offensive side of the ball? Because that's really what's doing it for me. No, and I think that also uh, part of the league and the division uh, getting better could mean that instead of eight and four, because it's so much more competitive, that becomes six and six as your drop off, right? Yeah. Um, and that, and that, and, and but again, it's it's also just weird how consistently in the seven to ten win range they are. Um, there's not a huge drop off, but there's never going to be like a real threat for national championship contention either. Um, it, it's just it's just remarkable. Like they have a lane and they're, and they're in it. But no, I don't think that you're making too much of that um, because I just think that I do think that they're in a little bit of an identity crisis. Um, and they've got young talent um, coming through, but they also 
it's not a program that's going to overwhelm you with young talent and get them on the field right away. Those it's a development program, and which is not a bad thing. But I think that that's why they build to these ten and two, you know, eleven and three type of seasons. And I just don't think that this year is going to be that type of year for them. So two teams that we haven't, that Brandon and I haven't yet got to in our in our buy or sell series, Northwestern and Purdue. They're kind of in the same bucket for me in that one of them could 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 be that number three team, but also I don't really know. Um, Northwestern is, is very interesting to me because I thought Peyton Ramsey was the best quarterback that Indiana had, and everybody loves Michael Penix Jr., but mm-hmm. I really like Peyton Ramsey. I think he's a really, really good quarterback. I think if I remember correctly, he has the highest returning completion percentage of any quarterback in the Big Ten Conference. Um, he's he's, and maybe the reason that he he wasn't the guy over Phoenix Jr. is he he's maybe more of um, the game manager type of quarterback, whereas what Indiana's going with now is more of the explosive dynamic. He's the dual threat. Ramsey's not really. I mean, I think he can, but he's not really, he's not Phoenix's athleticism or like an Adrian Martinez athleticism. Um, But now he's at Northwestern and Northwestern had Hunter Johnson, who was a former five-star quarterback, which did they just miss like labeling him that or, or what, what the deal is there with him? I don't know. They also have Aiden Smith returning who started games for them last year. The defense wasn't bad last year for Northwestern. It was like a typical Patrick Gerald defense. Like, they they were feisty. Um, they weren't really terrible in any metric. They were 37th in the country in yards per carry, uh, 42nd in points per play. They were 28th in yards per play. They were a defense that is, is um, you know, it, it's what Ference has, or not Ference, what Pat Fitzgerald has done at Northwestern. He's had good defenses, and they've made you earn it. They just didn't have a quarterback play. The offense was terrible. So now if you insert Peyton Ramsey into that equation, what do you get? I don't know. Do, do you – because you thought Northwestern was terrible last year. You were super low on Northwestern. Do you feel like a quarterback change is enough? Also, you've got to talk to me about Hunter Johnson being a five-star. <laughs> I get to be the one to explain that. Um, I don't know why or how he ended up being a five-star. Um, and then how and why he ended up dropping off the face of the earth uh, the way that he did. Um, that's always weird. But quarterback is like that, though, um, which is why I don't think like it feels like, OK, there is always a guy or two in a recruiting class at quarterback that you just feel like are can't miss guys when you're Trevor Lawrence's or Justin Fields or those type of guys come along. Right. Um but then there's a, usually a couple other like really, really highly rated guys that just don't pan out. And so I always think that in a way, you're kind of fine if you end up with a four-star or high three-star quarterback that just fits what you do. And there are a whole host of schools around the country um, that have figured that out. Because if you think about, like, we go back to the Iowa thing real quick. Like, Iowa has never really had a highly rated quarterback, but they all seem to fit the same mold and do exactly what Iowa needs to do, right? Like, I think that that's as important at quarterback as as any other position. Um, But I don't know how to explain the Hunter Johnson thing. But I do think that Northwestern is due for a bounce back um, because those defensive numbers that you stated are actually better than I remember them being. Um, And because they're just so fundamentally sound on defense that it almost doesn't matter if they have like super dynamic players on that defense. They're just so well coached um, 
and they just play so hard and physically that they make you earn everything that you're going to get. And that happens even when they're playing really good teams. Um, I guess it doesn't really change if they're playing Wisconsin um, or if they're playing Nebraska or they're playing Purdue, Illinois, whoever, it doesn't matter. Um, to me, their ceiling is solely determined on how much that offense can bounce back and if it can with Peyton Ramsey, I think that it can um, because they'll figure out how to run the ball like they always do. And if you have the threat of a good quarterback or a better quarterback, that will help them immensely. They also have Patty Fisher and Blake Gallagher, who are still playing linebacker for them because Patty Pat Fisher, Fisher is Pat Fitzgerald's son. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's, he's Pat Fitzgerald's son, so he's allowed to play as long as he wants to. Like, is is he a seventh year senior at this point? <laughs> He's a super senior. This is my conspiracy theory that I will never let die. Patty Fisher is going to be the, the Big Ten's all-time leader in tackles. They just Hold keep fading a person into that jersey. <laughs> just <laughs> new people that they're putting in there. Okay, I've got this in front of me. Uh, so Fisher and Gallagher have started four seasons consecutively together. They have a combined 567 tackles wow. between the two. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's really awesome. Cool. Yeah. Um, Purdue. Because Elijah Sindelar retired from football for health reasons. Jack Plummer. Jack or Jake? Whoever the, the freshman was, the people were very upset that uh, he killed Nebraska when he came in. Was it Jack or Jake? Jack. Yes. Jack Plummer. I should know this, but we haven't done it yet. So I guess there's my, there's my out. Jack yeah, yeah. Plummer probably will be the quarterback. Probably he's pretty good last year in, in some spot duty, but Sinalar has stepped away. He's going to have two unbelievable wide receivers to throw to and David Bell and Rondo Moore. It's insane that in back-to-back seasons, Purdue had a true freshman wide receiver go for, go over a thousand yards receiving. It's ridiculous. They've got two of the best in the country. So it, theoretically it should be easy for a new quarterback to step in because if that guy's covered throw to the other guy because he's probably open um they play nebraska to open the 2020 season big 10 conference play in lincoln somebody somebody questioned me um a couple weeks ago and rightfully so when i did my big 10 home or my nebraska home game power index thing where i kind of ranked the the home games on the schedule and I'm not as excited about the Purdue game just because I don't think it's going to be a great game as I am some of the other home games on the schedule but that's not to downplay the significance of the game and what it's going to mean this one may be a springboard for one of these teams to be like three or four in, in the division right I could definitely see that. And I also was surprised that you did not have the same enthusiasm about that game because I'm very fired up about this game. And maybe maybe it's because I'm thinking more about the implications versus like how good the football will actually be. Um, That's fair. But it's, it's just a big game. Like for both programs, Scott Frost has not beaten Purdue yet. Um You've got the return of Rondale Moore. You're hoping for the breakout of Wandale Robinson on the other side. Like, there's just storylines galore, and that's before you get to the Bob Diaco factor. Um, but real, I want to go back to real quick about the freshmen, the two freshmen back-to-back receivers. Like, what they did with both of those guys is just incredible. Like, and I think that to me, it shows like how 
like great, not good, but great of an offensive coach Jeff Brom is. Um, and, and I can't wait to see just like from just like a fan of college football, seeing what they're able to do with both of those guys healthy um, for a full season. Because they're going to give Big Ten defenses nightmares between how good they are and his ability to scheme stuff up. Um, that's going to be really intriguing to see. But Purdue, I think, could be – they could be a team that you really don't want to play, but I just can't see any way that their defense is going to be any good this year. Like, And so they're, they're going to give up 40 a lot this year, in my opinion. I mean, it's how different from the, the UCF – frost fast approach is it like if i mean if they score 42 a game and they give up 40 a game and they still win like does that really matter this is no. this is the contrarian in me that i just like i just want to see points galore on scoreboards every week i mean i'm totally fine with that um they're just going to have some really nervous moments um where they're going to have to have both Bell and Moore go for like 150 yards in a game to be able to stay in some of these games because I think that their their defense is just going to give up so much. Um, and it, it's also then that's where it is going to come down to how good Plummer is um, because he's going to still have to be able to go through those reads and make those throws. You want to hear something insane? I'm yeah. not yet through all of it, but you mentioned like living on the edge of your seat with Purdue. Nebraska has been doing that under Frost, and I'm kind of trying to go through the Power 5 programs over the last two years to see how many teams have have lost as many one-score games. Nebraska's lost nine games by seven points or less in the last two years, and so far nobody in the Big Ten or the ACC has matched that. I think the second most in the Big Ten was eight from Purdue. (laughs) Nobody else had more than six. Nebraska was 17 points away last year from being nine and three. It's really insane when you think, and that's why, and I know people get frustrated by the whole, like they're close, they're close. Like they're really not that far off. Like I know that people get a little tired of hearing that, but it's actually the truth. Like they, they actually have been very close, but now you're at the point to where they've lost so many of those games. It's a question of if that, is that just them or, are they just snake bitten and being snake bitten you feel like is a little bit easier to deal with versus hey this is just what they are they're a team that kind of finds ways to lose the, to lose those games sure can i defend myself for a minute with my home game power rankings yeah you kind of need to so i had minnesota number one any argument there no i think minnesota should be their rival I think Minnesota should be the clear team on the schedule that's that's like no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Nobody arguing, oh, they're not a rival. No, I think Minnesota should be the rival. Both sides do not like each other. And the parallels between Frost and, and Fleck are great. I think that should be the rival. And I'm very excited about that game now being on Black Friday because nobody from Nebraska's side wants it to be on Black Friday, but it is, and Minnesota's going to be good. So that that's number one. Number two is Cincinnati. To, hold on, not to hold on. I don't want to derail it, but I disagree that I, that Minnesota should be the like. I still I want who's the rival? I want Wisconsin to actually be the rival. I think that Nebraska's that, not there yet. I know, but that's and that's part of the problem is that you need to you know meet yourself where you are and actually admit where you are as a program. And I understand that people don't want to do that, and maybe I am doing what I'm accusing other people of doing right now. But I, that's what I want it to be. But I can go with you on. The Minnesota thing for now, 
but I think it would be really cool if it was Wisconsin because of the ca- contrast of styles. I think that Frost versus Chris makes for really fun theater as well. But Nebraska is, is I don't want to say light years away, but they're not close to what they are as a program right now. Why not both, man? Hey, if Nebraska gets good under Frost and Nebraska's consistently a nine or ten win team and it's, you know, like that Nebraska-Wisconsin game every year is the one that decides the Big Ten West, then maybe this is a situation where Nebraska-Wisconsin becomes what Nebraska-Oklahoma used to be, where both teams are just really damn good and they have a tremendous amount of respect for one another, but it's a quote-unquote rivalry game because it's just a toss-up who's going to win every year. And then Minnesota can take the place of Colorado where you just don't like them. So then where are you putting Iowa in that equation? I don't think I, I, I don't know. I like, I don't think people here respect Iowa enough. And I don't think okay, Iowa don't respects Nebraska enough because I've, of recent yeah, history. And I just think that Nebraska has bigger aspirations than saying Iowa is the team that we want to beat every year. And maybe that's disrespectful to the Hawkeye program because under Kirk Ferentz, they've, Seven wins, eight wins every single season. Maybe that's disrespectful, but Nebraska's aspirations are bigger. Like Iowa's fine not going to national championships. And maybe that's an oversimplification of things. But like, I mean, you tell me, the dude that's been in charge, is has he ever played for a national championship or coached for a national championship? It the, What they have, it seems like they're just fine with it. And I don't think Nebraska's cool with that. I think Nebraska has bigger aspirations. Now, I will say to people when they say, oh, it's not a rivalry. Like, stop. It's what you have right now, and you don't like them. And because of all that animosity that's been built up, that is the game on the schedule every year that it looks like it. But what I think as we move forward is that Minnesota becomes the the hated team, and Wisconsin, hopefully, um, optimistically, becomes the, this is the team that if we beat them, then we're the team. And when they beat us, then they're the team that plays for the Big Ten West. I just don't, I, like, I just don't think that it's ever going to be more than a blood battle with Iowa, just because the programs just view themselves on two different levels. Yeah, I could, I could agree with that. The one wild card in, and actually in both the Iowa and Wisconsin thing is that there, there's now so much overlap in recruiting with Nebraska and those programs that that's going to create some fun wrinkles in this as well. Um, because the Wisconsin thing, if you go, you won't go too far off on this, but if you go to like Wisconsin's commit list, especially at linebacker for the last two years, Nebraska was in it or like really wanted every one of their linebackers. Um, And there's several other positions (laughs) that have this as well. They've had these battles with Iowa where it's been known for a couple of cycles now that this, it was all building to this year where Nebraska wanted a bunch of these kids from Iowa and they've gotten two of them. They're still waiting on Fedoni. Um, And so that will also add some flavor to this as well. How does that compare to Minnesota? I mean, obviously Avante Dickerson is, is, the key name there. But when you talk about at least offensive styles, I mean, there should be some overlap, right? Yeah. It's funny. Minnesota has had like Minnesota has lost or not been in as many of the battles with Nebraska 
um, to where like they wanted Xavier Betts, and it really he really wasn't like going to go there once Nebraska got their hooks in. Like they wanted Chris Hickman and Chris Henrich, but kind of turned them off with flex style. Like th- there's uh, there are those ones or Bryce Benhart they didn't really get very far with as well. So yeah, there have been guys that Minnesota's wanted. Nebraska's just done a really nice job in general um, of, of really keeping them out of those battles outside of the Avante Dickerson thing. That is the other side of it, too, that, that breeds a rivalry game is having just constant crossover on the recruiting trail. So that's a good point. Um, Nebraska. Is Nebraska the number three team? They could be. Um, I, I, no, 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 no. <laughs> Will they? Go out on a limb. Will they? We're getting close enough to the season where we can start making some of these these statements. Man, they make me so nervous to say this. But <laughs> I'm... Yes, they yes, they're going to be the number three team. Um, and it, it's a God, you got me nervous even saying that because I hate going out on a limb on this team right now just based on what they've been doing. Um, but the signs are there like they absolutely should be like much improved from last year. Um, and, and in part because of something that we, I know that you and I have talked about quite a bit. I've talked to Brandon a lot about this. Um, that offensive line should be salty this year. Like there is no reason that their offensive line this year should not be very good. Like it should be a top three offensive line in the conference. Um, and they're going to go into the season knowing that Dedrick Mills is the guy. And that should help. I think that one of the things that we've kind of uncovered and just kind of talking back and forth about the running back situation is that Nebraska has not gone into a year under Frost where they have the right guy being the lead guy to start the season. And you know that that's your identity, right? And I think Mills' running style lends itself to getting your offensive line fired up. Um, And then I think that you have a quarterback that will have something to prove while also breaking in, the one caveat is, is that you're breaking in so many new pieces at the skill positions on the outside, but you kind of have an asterisk with that because if Omar Manning is what you think he's going to be sliding right into that, that shouldn't be difficult. And you know what you feel like you know what you're going to get out of Wondell Robinson. It's just who else? Who's that third guy at the receiver spot to be able to step up? And then because we know so much more about this team, like what then happens with, say, Travis Vokalek? And is he what they think that they're going to be? Because I feel like the uh, when we will get to more of this as we get closer to the season, I, to me, I'm almost starting to look at Travis Volker like it's like a really big X factor. Like we talk about what Omar Manning can bring to the offense a lot and the the big role that he's going to play. But I think that Volker will have not an equal say in what happens, um, but he opens up things quite a bit too because they think that he's an NFL type of tight end. And so if he is that, um, that changes the complexion of that offense 100%. And then you flip over to the defense. And I just have a hard, like, I think that there are so many quality players on the defense as a whole, you just don't know what you're going to get out of them. Like, I could make a real argument that that defensive line will not start off the season um, in the same way that it's going to end. Like, it's going to take a little bit to really get firing, but there are enough pieces there to where you should have confidence that they're going to be pretty good. I think the linebacker core is a lot the same way, especially if you get it, because I think that both Colin Miller and Will Honus have been better in their careers than I think that people realize. Like, and you go and look at Will Honus's stats, like Will Honus was, you would know this off the top of your head. Where was Will Honus last year in team tackles? He was second or third. 
Right. And so I think I don't think that people realize that. Like, I think that he was better than people think. And he but I think he's not hit the expectation that people had for him because you still have in your mind those Juco highlights of him just flying around and obliterating people. And we haven't seen that yet here at Nebraska. And so if that light comes on, then that completely changes the defense as well. Um, And then I think you feel really confident with the secondary and what you're going to get there. But again, the huge question mark on that defense is what we've been talking about it feels like forever now is how are they going to generate a pass rush yeah um, which can be overlooked but i think that they're going to be better almost everywhere um it's just a matter of it all coming together a couple points no one had more um unassisted tackles than will honus last year on the defense he had 43 uh markel desmuke had 42 of the returning guys colin nope jojo doman is next with 38 jojo doman is maybe an x factor at outside linebacker if he plays yeah. consistently um, you could you you made the comment that Nebraska hasn't entered into a season under Frost with the right guy at running back or what it thought was the right guy. I mean, you could you could uh, extend that beyond Frost. I mean, that goes back a couple years before Frost even got here, right? Like you could make the arc, that argument that that hasn't been the case since what Abdullah left, right? Maybe Terrell, maybe Terrell Newby was was the guy, but I don't know. They haven't, they've, they've been looking for that Abdullah guy since he left. Um, the other thing I want us to get to a place with, with talking about, um, this team where people are not worried about true freshman skill players coming in and playing right away. Be worried about a true freshman offensive lineman that has to come in and play right away or like a linebacker or defensive lineman or somebody like that. But Nebraska's recruiting skill players at such a high level I don't think people should be be worried or have anxiety about those guys coming in or, or consternation about those guys coming in and playing right away. It's obviously different this year because COVID-19, the pandemic, you missed spring ball. They haven't been able to practice like normal. Like those things throw a wrench into the situation. But like Omar Manning and Xavier Betts, like in a normal year, I don't think people should be worried about those guys coming in and playing right away. Because I just think like it's – I don't know. Maybe I'm undervaluing the transition because, like, you know, I've, I've had guys tell me before, like Luke Gifford specifically said, the transition from high school ball to college ball was tougher than the transition from college to the NFL. So maybe I'm undervaluing that a little bit. But I just think at the skill position, if those guys have put in the work before arriving on campus, when they get the their playbook and they're kind of having regularly scheduled communication with with coaches, if they're putting in the work and they hit the ground running when they get to fall camp, even if they're not an early enrollee in the spring, like at that high level that Betts and Manning were, like I just don't think you should have an issue with those guys coming and playing right away. I think they they'll be fine. Yeah, week uh, to back up on that, like I think that if 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 Xavier Betts, for example, had gone to USC or Oklahoma or Clemson or Ohio State, you would think that he had a chance to go in and play. Like, maybe he's not starting because those situations are different. And I pick, like, teams that have some of the best wide receiver rooms in the country. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that would maybe keep his playing time down a little bit. But those are the schools that find a way every year to recruit guys at that type of level. And that's the type of level that Xavier Betts is. And then they come in and play. Right. So maybe so I, I think you're right on that, that you should not necessarily be worried about that. But it's something that you just haven't seen at Nebraska all that often. That's the thing. For you, except for you saw it last year with Wondell Robinson. That's the thing is, is, you know, like the schools that you mentioned, with the exception of USC, because I know how much you love Clay Helton, like 
you know what to expect from those programs. You can give those programs the benefit of the doubt when it comes to player development, and you just haven't been able to say the same about Nebraska so far. And so maybe that's all it is. But hopefully in the next few years, we'll get to a place where our public discourse around the, the wide receiver room is not one of like, oh, man, I don't know. They have this really good guy coming in, but I don't know if he's going to be able to play right away. We should we should look at a walk-on that's been here for three years. Like, no disrespect to Cade Warner. He's been great for them. Good, good for them. I think Xavier Betts is going to have his job by like week three or four because he's just good. Yeah, I think that I, I like when we start thinking about guys that just probably don't get talked about enough. Like Xavier Betts is is like that, and part of that is the academic situation because you were on pins and needles about that. But now that that's good to go and he's here, like I, I think that people will remember again in short order why it was that he's was so highly touted. Um, He's just so good. He's so big, but he's also so fast. Um, I can't wait to see his development when he's able to be in a college strength and conditioning program. And then he doesn't have to be the guy right away, too. That's what's actually going to be so good for him. I think that he can play as a freshman, but not have to be counted on to necessarily carry you by any stretch. Um, like Wandale kind of was last year, which will end up, I think, helping his development um, as we go along. Like I'm really excited for his career to unfold. Right, like we're talking about a number three receiver here, assuming right. that Manning and, is, is and, and maybe number four because we haven't talked about Alante Brown, who I know that they really, really like and who was very good to start spring ball and through winter conditioning, um, and who also though is a true freshman. So if you are and if you are recruiting those skill position guys, especially wide receiver and running back, fits into this too. That and that's another part of this equation. Um, as well, where like you shouldn't be afraid of running backs coming in and making an impact right away either, because in theory, you've also got a very good offensive line to then help usher them in into that transition. Yeah, I mean, and Savion Morrison looks big enough now. (laughs) (laughs) He definitely does. Like that's going to be a really, really interesting subplot for this team is like who wins that number two running back position, like running back spot. Because I'm not convinced that it's like it's guaranteed to go to Ramir Johnson. Like he's gonna have to come in ready to work. Like that's not going to just be handed to him. Yeah. Um, that so that tubing picture. They they took their trip. I don't know what lake they were at, but a bunch of guys were out at a lake tubing um, earlier this week or last weekend or whatever it was. Fourth of July celebration, I guess, preemptively. And Savion Morrison was out there with Nash Hotmacher and. At first glance, I thought that it was Diedrich Mills, uh, so that's that's probably probably a good sign. Um, I put you on the spot with your will Nebraska be the number three team. I didn't mean to. I wasn't trying to force you <laughs> to just say yes so that people wouldn't yell at you. But I will say I would say no because that's where I'm at. So like I don't want you to feel like that you were kind of you had your arm held behind your back and you were like forced to say. Yes, if you don't actually agree with it. I'm going to give you an out. No, I don't want the out. I think that okay. I'm fine with right. my yes. And I, I, it's one of those things, though, that the more I think about it, the more I think that this team can make progress. I just don't want to – I'm not going to say that they're making the leap, right? But I think that th- that progress by a couple of wins is in the realm, even with – and somebody will say this – even with the schedule, I think that – that type of improvement to where they're third in the division safely in a bowl game, I think is okay 
to expect that this year. And I think that they, I just, I just like the pieces of this team, but again, it just all has to come together. And honestly, maybe what happens this year in the big 10 West is instead of having a top three or, or kind of even class distribution throughout, maybe the top two separate themselves even more from the rest of the division being Wisconsin and Minnesota. Um, and you know, the other four teams just, or five teams just cannibalize themselves. Maybe that's what happens, which, which very well could happen because we've completely neglected Illinois in this entire conversation, and and they've got stuff to replace. But if Mike Epstein is healthy, they've got Brandon Peters, a senior at quarterback that was good for them a year ago. They've got Josh Imatorbebe at wide receiver, and they've got Epstein at running back, who is pretty healthy yards per carry average for his career, and he's got like close to 200 carries for his career. Like they've got something on offense. Um, so maybe what we see in the Big Ten West this year is just Wisconsin and Minnesota are, are in a race for the division title, and the rest of the league is just beating up on each other every week. And six and six can get you that number three spot. Right. So maybe, and be a, a situation where the <laughs> because the rest of those teams are so close to each other, Wisconsin and Minnesota don't exactly have a cakewalk to being one and two because those games are close, um, but they're still they're still winning those games. Man, you're just not buying Minnesota, are you? No, no, because I think they're going <laughs> to step back. <laughs> I think that they're. I think that they were a flash in the pan, um, and we'll see. We'll see. And I also, I'm. I, I hate counting Wisconsin out, but I, I just don't see how they continue at that same level. Um, but there is no one that I'm like, oh yeah, this is the team that's going to replace them. Um, so I think they kind of by default they get to stay up there. I think it's just, I did, like I said, it's very top. I think it's very wide open this year. Inherently, how you feel about Minnesota has a lot to do with how you feel about P.J. Fleck as a coach. And I know there are a ton of people that don't like P.J. Fleck as a coach. They think he's fake, whatever. I don't know. I think Tanner Morgan's um, season last year, his kind of explosion onto the scene was, was underrated, maybe, um, and underappreciated. I don't know. I, th- I think they have the, the quarterback coach pairing to stay at that level we'll see we'll see they have to you're right they they certainly have to have a prove it year to justify what they did last year because if there is any kind of slippage like if let's say they're still number two in the west but they the they're two or three games away from wisconsin and it wasn't ever really a race like there will be people that will discredit what happened last year um i I don't know. We'll have to see it because like when they beat Penn State, I think they silenced a lot of of doubters um, that had popped up throughout the year. I mean, obviously, the South Dakota State thing at the beginning of the season, Nebraska fans will get a dose of South Dakota State, hopefully this year, assuming um, that game can can go on without a hitch. But you're right. They'll they'll have to prove it. So we'll see. This was an interesting discussion as we were doing our Big Ten buy or sell things. Um, as as we moved to the West, I started thinking about it, and I was like, "Who? How are the the standings going to shake out this year?" So, thank you for entertaining this this discussion. Not a problem. It's a lot of fun, which I think could make for a fun season in the Big Ten. Uh, we just got to get it. Got to make sure we get there. For sure, Greg. Thanks for being on the podcast this week. Hey, thanks for having me. And enjoy your like sideless uh, barbecue. <laughs> Hey, the side could be a burger with some pulled pork off to the side. There you go. With with There's like pork. Yeah, exactly. I'm with it. <laughs>
everybody enjoy your fireworks enjoy your barbecue enjoy your fourth of july whatever you're doing uh be safe keep reading hellvarsity.com subscribe to the podcast leave us a rating leave us a review listen to jay moore's i didn't do it this week listen to jay moore's more to it podcast listen to the hell radio show and we'll be back next week